0: Country. country podcast edition
1: <laughs> i've always been around great songwriters and artists my whole life i'm michael knox welcome to my world hey what's up everybody this is Jay jason Dean, and you are listening to my boy michael knox on knox country podcast, podcast. welcome to the knox country syndicated radio show podcast we got um Mr. Hit songwriter, incredible singer, Mr. Neil Thrasher in the house, the only Bama fan Shalacy <laughs> will talk to.
2: There's there's a couple. There's a couple, but Neil is, is one of my favorite Bama fans, so it's it's good to have him visiting us.
1: I appreciate that. Now, do you remember the first time me and you met? Do you remember that? I know it was with Wendell, the first time I kind of met you. I, I don't know if was you Was it were... at Warner Chapel? Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I remember working with you in the studio across the street from Warner Chapel. Yeah. I was but like, that, coming, was... I came in to sing a demo and you were over there producing the demo.
1: But that that was warner chapel then
0: that was part of their company right yeah yeah
1: yeah Yeah, that was the old but it was across the
0: street from the big building right yeah that place i don't know if that's where we first met but it was
1: but i remember getting you singing background on some on some danny lee stuff okay and then um um, and then some um early jason stuff too like demos yeah but um and and i
0: I can't recall when we first met though
1: yeah it's been a long time but I've, i've been a huge fan of yours of course you, you know you're my my go-to guy first in town any any time I'm looking for songs well thank you man and um you know and I, a lot Most of, people, of my
0: songs go to you first well <laughs> a,
1: a lot of people <laughs> don't know this but you actually sang background on She's Country yes, which sir. you didn't write mm-hmm. but you did sing the background on that we searched for 2 days For a vocal who could get that high and not sound like a facetta, right? You know, or whatever. And and you and you sing that in your sleep. So you came in there and was just killing it.
0: And I think to this day, I was like, man, they got me cranked up when I hear that record on the radio. I was like. Good Lord! Everybody from Alabama, from Birmingham, was calling me, going, "Is that you singing on that record?" <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They could tell. <laughs> they, could, they could hear the gospel overtones.
1: <laughs> but that, but that actually, when you did that, that's what actually made us start using you more and more and more. Amen. On those records, because it kind of gave a, a little more of an edge than what we were having in the past. Mm-hmm.
0: I love singing back up. I love singing back up to Jason too, because he's easy to sing
1: to. Well,
2: well, speaking of gospel, I didn't realize. You won a Dove Award? I did. Oh my did. gosh. Is yeah. that
1: anything to do with the chocolate?
2: Oh goodness.
1: No, no, the soap. <laughs> so what what
0: was it but for? I was supposed to be at the awards and I didn't even know I was nominated. It was for a you song. You went called, though, right? No. I didn't you know didn't? The, No, I didn't know. I didn't get invited. I didn't know we were nominated. I w I wasn't there and I started getting texts from the, the guy that I co wrote the song with, Michael Boggs, and I was like I was like, What? Yet you, somebody you're like where? me. Right, you're at the award, the Dove Awards, and I'm supposed to what? I had no idea, and next thing I know, we won. Michael, um, uh, Jason Crab cut a song called "Somebody Like Me," and it won.
2: That's amazing. One of
0: the Song of the Year awards there.
2: But I mean, your family has a big history. Yeah, in, in gospel the gospel music,
0: music world it, uh, runs deep in my family.
1: Yeah, what uh, was your um, father's?
0: <clears throat> the Thrasher Brothers. Yeah, he sang. He sang when. He was singing professionally when he was four years old, and from there on out, all the way through, you know, the late '80s, early '90s.
1: Now was I that got like? Honest. Now I've seen some old videos and stuff. I mean, was it ever hills hill music? I mean, was it ever that no, no, that, that no. kind of thing, or was it always no, pretty southern, pretty mainstream southern, southern quartet gospel singing?
0: man yeah. that's all night singings and dinners on the ground, buddy. That's what I grew up around. That's awesome. Yeah. I got it honest. I got it on both sides. My mom's father did it, too. He actually did a radio show with Gene Autry there for a while.
1: That's cool. Yeah. Did you? I mean. Did, that was before me. Was no, before no. Me. I mean, but but do you have copies of that, that stuff? Yeah. Mom does. My that, mother does. That's awesome. Oh, it's
0: cool. Really cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, um, my dad, we go back and we've been searching for years trying to find things that we don't have that he did you know so is it is it is it hard to find those old things you know like 45s and and old recordings some of them are
0: gone i don't know what happened to them but mom still has a collection of stuff that go way back the 45s and 78s i mean you got some 78s of them yeah the key master's quartet that was her father that was her dad and his
1: brother's so it was the Thrasher Brothers and the Keymasters Quartet. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, when I first saw you, when I first was ever introduced to Neil Thrasher, it was Thrasher Shriver. Yeah. I saw y'all on TV. Shiver. Shriver. Shiver. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. everybody
0: calls him Shriver. We went through that on radio tour. It was crazy.
1: Well, and I saw y'all on on MTV. They did I mean on CMT, they did something on y'all. Yeah. Where y'all were um uh kind of doing your wardrobe getting you know, it was artist development stuff yeah and that's the first time that that but man I mean, y'all's first single was was actually really strong it was stronger than than what it actually got legs on the radio it absolutely was you know it, it, that was gone right yeah it's, going going go yeah and man that and and your harmony on that was insane come on <laughs> it was up there. I actually sing higher now than I did then. Yeah, I mean, was that I mean, is that because you're better singer now you think or is it because
0: I think so. I mean, I think everybody gets better when it's what they do. I mean,
1: seriously. I mean, I don't know why. You would think You would think the opposite. You would think I don't know. I, I like think voices get stronger. Now now they might not have some of the range, but with mm-hmm. a guy like Neil who naturally sings that that aggressively high I can see it getting stronger as you get older.
0: It does. I don't sing enough anymore. It probably would be better if I sang more. It's a muscle. You gotta keep mm-hmm. it
1: worked out, you know. Hey man, when Al Dean did the, the did that um that thing with Bob Seeger for mm-hmm. CMT. Yeah. Man, that was Bob Seeger was still awesome. He still brings I mean it, he it? was killing it. I mean he was killing the vocals.
0: A lot of those guys still do.
1: Well, t- 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 tell a little bit about the artist thing, uh, about how that how that record deal came about. Were y'all playing way before then, or was it put together no, for that? It sequel? was.
0: It was. That all happened. I was singing with a group uh, called Indian River, and we were doing a show in Beaumont, Texas, the Bob Hope High School benefit thing in Beaumont, and Bob Dole and Garth Brooks were there. They were on the same show, <clears throat> and they heard us do our sound check. Well, after the show, they had asked us if we wanted to come sing on Garth's record. And he was doing the No Fences record, his second album. And we were like, yeah. And we got back to Nashville and went over to to Bob's office and met with him and did all that and went and sang on the record and everything. Well, through all that, I met Lana there because she was working with Bob. Lana's my wife, as you well know. And I met her through all of that. And um, we were going to get managed by Bob. And we did a couple of things, did a couple of, recorded a few things, blah, blah, did all that. And that didn't pan out. But I stayed there and signed a publishing deal with Bob because my wife encouraged me to write songs. Because I never would be writing songs today if it wasn't for her. She's the one that said, you need to write, you need to write. She saw something in me that I didn't know I had. And that's where I met Kelly Shiver. He came along and Bob put us together together. And then we went in and recorded some things, and it had this Everly Brothers kind of thing going, you know. Yeah. And everybody thought it was really cool because we did a lot of singing together. It wasn't. A, it wasn't like one guy singing and another guy sitting out and and playing guitar or whatever. We did a lot of singing together, and so we did that and wound up signing with Asylum Records.
1: Did that record that "Going, Going, Gone" was on. What else was going on in the industry then? Because that, because that first record that I hear of you guys, it's really, it's really cool. I mean, it, there's there's really some artist stuff going on there. Yeah. That what do you think made that not, you know, transcend? But I mean, because that going, going, gone first single was a really cool song. Well,
0: everybody said it's like it was funny because we it was like one of the first country records that had a loop if you want to call it a loop it had a it had a a a drum track behind it that was manufactured it wasn't a drum and then and then a real drummer came in and put it on the top but the song kicked off with a loop and yeah. a lot of people at radio thought that the sonically the drums just sounded bad they thought it was a real drummer and they just sounded bad yeah but what? and we were like duh it's supposed to sound that way so People thought we were a little ahead of the, what was our going time, on? you know, and and I tended to agree with them a little bit. We did it with Justin Neibank. It was me and Kelly Shiver and Justin Neibank who was kind of getting his feet wet at the time producing because Kyle Lenning, the head of the label, wanted us to work with, with Justin. He's like, hey, there's a new guy I want you to work with. <laughs> so yeah. was, And we did, and it was kind of like a little ahead of his time. But, but Do you it, think it, that's
2: the best thing that ever happened to you? What's that? that? Maybe the artist thing.
0: Oh, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I did that for five years, you know, four or five years and went through three label heads over there and did another record that never came out. And we wanted to take it. And I think that was in 99. And was like, I wonder if we, you know, if we could, they would let us out of our record contract and take us, let us take this record with us elsewhere. So we were getting ready to do another showcase for think like Capitol and Lyric Street, who was the new record label in town at the time. And then uh, Reba McIntyre wound up cutting a song of mine, and it was a hit in '99. It was my second big song, and that was in '99. And that was the one that made me go, Do I really want to start over and do Radio Tour again and start from scratch? When I, or do I need to focus on songwriting? So, what so, was the Reba song? What do you say?
2: So I love that song. And yep.
0: what
1: was the one what was the one before that?
0: That's what I get for loving you. That was in ninety six. And that was the other thing. We'd be on a radio tours promoting our record and all they want to talk about was the Diamond Rio record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Kelly Shire would just roll his eyes like, Oh God, here we go. Why can't we talk about our record? I can't blame him, you know. So the ninety nine thing, the Riva thing is what made me like, Oh, you know what? I'm just gonna chase the songwriting thing. I'm gonna see what happens.
1: So a lot of people don't know this, but you had a, a strong run with Rascal Flatts. Yeah, bunch of cuts, bunch of hits. Yeah. You know, y- y'all were the guys kind of behind the scenes. And um, did that happen as a as a partnership with Wendell, or did it happen as a meeting somebody in the band or something? Uh, both. Uh, Wendell and I writing together
0: all the time. That that just was. That was just is. And then becoming friends with Gary, the lead singer, because we have so much in common. Not just singing wise, but hobby wise and everything else, we just hit it off.
1: So, did you meet him before he signed a record deal, or was it during uh, that I, time? I
0: heard them. Was I got? It's a funny story how I first heard Rascal Flatts. We were at my, me and Wendell and Billy Currington were writing. And you're about Wendell Mobley. Wendell Mobley, yep. We were writing with the Billy Currington at my house in uh, Cool Springs. <laughs> and Billy had this CD of this group. He's like, "Man, you got to hear these guys. Man, I think you'd love these guys." And he put it, he put it in and played like three songs. And the first one was their hit, "Praying for Daylight," that I wish I'd written, you know. And he played it, and I was like, "Man, that's, uh, these guys are awesome. I love because I always loved harmony. I always loved Diamond Rio and groups that, that did harmony and stuff." And uh, that was the first time I heard the Flats.
1: Yeah, well, a three sixty. Steve Bogard was my songwriter at Warner Chapel, oh. and I had pitched that song to Mark Bright for Blackhawk. <laughs> really? And Mark called us and asked us asked Steve if he could cut it on this new band he's developing. The and, rest and, is history. And um, and then that's how that. So kinda, you're responsible for Rascal Flatts career. Yeah, I need some royalties. Oh, good lord! I need, Here we I go. Need, I need some royalties. He's behind
0: everything. Knox is behind everything. <laughs> Hey, everybody, this is Neil Thrasher. You're listening to uh, Knox Country Podcast.
1: So, so, did you
0: have a lot on the first record? No, I didn't have a song on the first record. I just listened to that one and enjoyed it. And then we wrote, started writing with Gary for the second one. Yeah. And we wrote I Melt. That was like my first hit with them.
2: Now, I've heard of the story behind the song. Yeah. And I think it's...
0: It's me and Wendell and Gary.
2: And But weren't you guys didn't lana have something to do with
0: it yeah lana had something to do with that song we were, Does was she, is she a fourth writer on it yeah she should have been <laughs> she's a fourth writer on everything <laughs> we were sitting uh at the house and it was about midnight or so and we were done toast we were ready to go home he wendell was ready to go home and lana comes around the corner and i tell the story at writer's one before wendell sings this song because i make him do it and uh I always tell this story at the writer's rounds. And she comes around the corner, doesn't say a word, and she just walks up to the mantel and lights these candles on the mantel and turns around and turns the lights off as she goes back in the bedroom. Doesn't say a word, and that's how the song started. Mm hmm.
2: She has saved you in so, we owe that so one many to ways. Her. Yeah, she's.
1: <laughs> right? There's a woman behind everything. If it wasn't for her, you'd be selling cell phones at a kiosk somewhere. You think? You know, it not <laughs> Flip phones like the one you still use. Walmart, yes. (laughs) He's
2: giving you a lot of credit.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, but y'all had a bunch of, I mean, just rattle off some of the big titles you had with Rascal. Well. Yeah, you you, got to read them all.
0: Well, Uh, I mean, there's like, I don't know. Good Lord. Um, All the Way to Banjo was was your last single with him, is that correct? Was Banjo the last one? Or why wait? I can't remember. Um, yeah, you got Banjo.
2: Fast Cars and Freedom, baby. Fast Cars and now, fa- Freedom.
1: Now, Fast Cars and Freedom, dude, was a huge, huge song. Where's... To me, that was the one where that kind of put him on another planet.
0: I've had, I don't know, I think I've had like 45 Rascal Flats cuts. That's I mean, incredible. We added them up the other day. Lana was just curious. And we went back and added Yeah, I didn't up have cause... enough
2: paper to put them all down. <laughs> so... <laughs>
0: banjo right uh banjo why wait take me there that head, take me there now, take me
1: there was fast the one. cars and freedom take me there chesney. was the one that i i thought really moved the needle strong i i'd love take me there um the video was awesome as well i mean the whole thing was pretty laid out yeah. pretty cool wendell and i wrote that with kenny chesney and i didn't know that I, I, why didn't i know that
0: Yep, sure did That was actually kenny's idea
1: now had 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 you already had your some Kenny cuts before then? Yeah, because mm-hmm. you had uh, you had his big old ballad. I mean that that his uh, you know his uh, what there was goes my life? There goes, there goes my, my life, life, which is which is like uh, that digum video everything on that one man. It just the is the a tearjerker. Tear tear right, the timing of that song, a
2: seven week number one.
1: Uh huh. Yeah, we don't that have that anymore, dude. No, that's when's tough. the last time you seen a seven a seven week airplay week number? That one. stuff don't happen no more. Yeah, I mean, you, you might have it on the other chart, but you don't have a seven week airplay anymore. Uh, uh-uh.
0: it don't happen. And Windows had Windows had a couple of them with 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 Kenny.
1: But dude, there goes my life is oh. is a is a standard. I mean, just hands down, you know. But but you've had a few of those, man. I, I can rattle off ten standards you you got right now, you know, just in in. In in that world, Rascal Flats and Aldine. I mean, ju- just those those guys. I mean, not counting everything else that you've kind of had cut. Yep.
0: yep. I had to sing There Goes My Life at Allie's graduation, my oldest daughter's graduation. Yeah, yeah, how do
2: you get through that?
0: Uh you stare at the rafters in the gym. You do <laughs> something, be... you I don't know,
1: you picture a teacher naked or something. I don't know. You just get through it. <laughs> but um um where are you originally from? Birmingham. Birmingham, Alabama. Row tied yeah yeah now you're big sorry Shalacy you're a big <laughs> Alabama fan I mean yeah it's big you know and Shalacy's big LSU fan yep. so we that- all get along we
2: do
0: we have total respect for one another that's it yeah I have so many LSU friends but except I am big except Alabama in the fall fan. yeah we're still friendly in the we, fall we keep it civil oh, yeah we do we keep we do. it civil I mean but yeah it doesn't get any bigger Knox Country. Podcast edition.
1: <laughs> Some of you know me as a record producer for acts like Jason Aldean and Thomas Rhett. Others know me as the son of rock and roll legend Buddy Knox, party doll fame, back in 1957. I'm Michael Knox. Welcome to my world. You're listening to Knox Country. Podcast. Podcast. Hey, this is Keith Urban. What's up, y'all? It's your boys here, Florida, Georgia line. Hey, hey this is
0: Little Big town. town. And you're listening to Knox Country. You've entered Knox
1: Country. Welcome back. To the Knox Country Podcast. Our first cut together—the first time I started using you on backgrounds—was that She's Country album. You know where we were putting you on She's Country. Yep. But um, our biggest hit we've had together was Night Train. You know, in my opinion. Right. And um, but now my favorite song you've ever written, including me recording to whatever, is a song called Tattoos on This Town. That's probably hands down my favorite Jason Aldine really? recording that I've ever done. That's that's whenever anybody asks me what do you do as a producer, I say I do tattoos on this town. Uh-huh. That's the favorite song, favorite recording, favorite everything. You know, out, out of everything we've cut. Well, it's one of my favorites too. You know, now and it was my favorite at the time. Tell, <laughs> uh, yeah, now, when y'all were writing for that, y- y'all were y'all were really getting a lot of Aldine cuts at the time. You know, um, I mean, was there any special story with that, or is that just one of those that just kind of just came out?
0: Well, that that whole that title came out when I was driving to the writing session. Because I'd never heard that title before either, dude, which is crazy. That was one of them gift titles, man. I was like sitting at an intersection, and when I saw skid, I just saw skid marks. You know, I've written two songs sitting in a red light, or started, gotten ideas for songs by sitting in a red light. Yeah, and that was one of them seeing those skid marks and the the title tattoos on this town I just I'm serious it's the and I've I've said this before it's the only title that just came out of the just boom just, just appeared
1: yeah, I, and what's so bad, in. man, I, even at Warner Chapelman, I even went to the database and Googled and kind of searched, and there's no tattoos on this town. I mean, it, it was such an, a common sense title yeah. that had never been written. Right. And you're like, how did y'all, it, it, it's like missing one called I Love That Girl, you know? Right. How did you miss tattoos on this town as a songwriter? Because we that, always
0: do that, too. We look it up, it's like, there's got to be one with this title. There's got to be one with this title. And when we see that there's not, we're like, Yes
1: yeah thank you well hands down that uh, that's my favorite song that I've ever ever been involved with cool man I appreciate that but um, and but it, I, and it
0: sounds it sounds like you liked it it sounds like you loved it
1: well that's just that, from the I, way the recording sounds that's my walk on music everywhere I go just play that intro what about the harmonies though right yeah the harmonies are that's the best. what made it the harmonies are the best don't part don't you think that was the best part now, see you when I see you is a hidden gem. Yeah, that's one that that hasn't had the light of day yet. It's on a Jason record. But, I still
0: do it during writers' round.
1: Well, it and I bet people know it. I mean, it, yeah. it it really resonated strong for an album cut that I guarantee you one day will find its way to radio.
0: Yeah, I hope it does. You know? I really do, and I hope Al Dean does it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, that that's always been one of his favorites. Which is funny to hear an artist talk about their favorite song on a record and then it doesn't escalate to be the single, yeah. you know. But um I'm I'm sure I'm sure you hear that a lot being around town. You and know? if I
0: need to give Al Dean some, some, some ideas <laughs> you know. I you know mean. I know Keith Urban did it with a song of his. He went back like two or three albums with yeah. one of his. That song You Look Good in My Shirt mm-hmm. that was like two or three albums old and he went back and grabbed it and put yeah. it out and it was huge. Well you never know man he might do a he so, might do so a, Jason, a great he
1: might do a greatest tits
2: when you're day listening and,
0: If you want me to send you a list of things that I wrote that you need to go back and put and re release, in fact, just do an album.
2: Just do whole album.
1: Yes. The Lost Neil Cuts.
2: (laughs) (laughs) When this plane don't go there. Holy moly.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, well, you got a bunch of them, dude. A bunch of your songs were staples to his direction of what he does. And you got to be proud, too, because you had that same effect on Rascal Flats, too. Uh huh. You know, and and I think those two artists are, are the strongest ones where you really were a big part of melody. You know, melody direction for what these right. guys do. Yep. And um, I mean, because Rascal's a harmony band, Jason Jason's kind of a, a, a lower key singer, but he does sing things in a, in, a, in an odd key where that, he's got a better range than people
0: give him credit yeah. for.
1: And that's what I was going to say where that high harmony thing, man. Really us through the roof and that's kind of your magic is that melody that 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 rock melody mixed in with kind of country lifestyle yeah Mm -hmm. and i love that about your stuff i mean a a lot of people don't know what i mean you do you have a big rock background is that something oh man i sang so much rock music when i was younger
0: i was in a couple rock bands and we did that whole thing did you ever write it no you got to send me some of that stuff I don't have any of that stuff. Why not? We because we were cover bands, man. We didn't do anything. I didn't. Rec- we didn't write. Didn't record nothing. So what was your?
1: F- we just, what we was just your screamed. favorite? What was your favorite rock song you sang? Yeah, here we go. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, don't, I seriously, I don't know. Are you a Slaughter guy? Were you? A, I listened to
0: all that eighties. You a White stuff? Snake guy? <laughs> oh yeah, David Coverdale though, man. That dude he's like he's a singer singer he's not just a rock singer he's a freaking singer did you ever go into the motley
1: Crue world or anything like that Uh, i listened to him but i didn't get in so bon jovi was that too commercial
0: i mean it was cool for what it was so you were
1: more docking (laughs) i was
0: more Mm. tesla tesla (laughs) the the under you know i was the opening band round and round darn man good (laughs) lord we can go on and on europe
1: that's right well europe's cool man heck yeah you know. It's the
2: final countdown.
1: Thank yeah. ain't
2: kidding. So y'all have so much it? in common. It, it's so sh- funny that the history you guys have, working together now, and y'all live across the street from yeah. each other.
0: Uh, he won't stop following. Is me he around. stalking
2: you? Yes.
0: <laughs> Actually, did you buy your house first? Yes. Okay. Well, I
1: Pretty smart on my my end. I think. Yeah. It, good well, good business move. But um now now your demos man the the thing that I that the thing that I hear a lot of people say around town even other people we've interviewed is how how distinctive your demos are and stuff you know kind of as a singer songwriter it makes artists become fans of what you do and try to emulate what you do thank I god mean, I mean do you, do you think I mean do you think about that when you cuz you you write a lot with other singers do you think a lot about that I mean cuz I know you've asked me before in the past Hey man, I'll get Wendell to sing this, or I'll get somebody else to sing this, and I'm like going, "Hey man, I know my guy wants to hear your voice. You know do you do you find that a, a situation in the studio when y'all were doing when y'all were cutting tracks because your keys are crazy?
0: Well, I mean we ca- it kind of became understood that I was going to sing them there for a long time, a big long stretch, you know, and it, and I always give Wendell a hard time. You know, for not wanting to do, a, not wanting to sing one, because he's he's sick and tired of his voice, and I get sick and tired of my voice a lot. Really? Oh yeah, I get sick of it. I'm so tired of me sometimes; it's ridiculous. But you know, I'm all I'm a melody guy. Yeah. I mean, it's I will dissect it, and I will spend probably to a fault too much time on it. Sometimes, like take Night Train for instance. It's like I didn't spend a lot of time on that. I went in and just sang what I felt. Yeah, and I'm going you know what I probably should do more
1: of that and quit overthinking this stuff but that's the cool thing about that is is that there's you know a lot of the songwriters in our town the successful songwriters are in love you know, kind of with melody, with, with their own artistry and things like that. And it makes these artists fall in love with them. Yeah. And then they go, oh, I want to be what they are. Yeah. Even though the songwriter might not be the artist anymore. That's right. But then the artists are trying to emulate those guys. That's what's cool, man. These artists become fans of the,
0: some of these writers. and some. Yeah. Of the, and then and they the, stick to them. Because I, mean, yeah, cause I know yeah.
1: You're uh, when we're cutting records on Jason, his go-to is you, David Lee Murphy. Uh, Rodney Clausen and, and Dallas Davidson are his first four that he's always asking about and now Florida Georgia Line are kind of popping in there too but they usually just drive out to his house and play him stuff yeah. you know but but those four guys are his go-to at the very beginning of when we're starting to look for a record thank and God he is yes but um, thank God we are but that's but, but that's got to be cool man when you see these artists fans of y'alls you know it's oh, kind of yeah. like switching the me? switching the you know the the switch there as a backwards way
0: that's why that's why we don't need to you know try to change what we're doing and over overthink this stuff do why you we...
1: find yourself when you're you know the when you're in writer's rooms and things like that when the when the loop situation comes up do you Find yourself saying, "Hey, man, I'd rather write. I'd rather write old school. You know, maybe two, three people in a room. I
0: struggle with all that. I do. Yeah. At first, I fought the track guy thing, with all these guys that are coming into town that that are really good with with creating tracks. Yeah, out of a box. I was. I fought that and fought that and fought that. I know I don't want to do that. No, no, no. I don't want to do that. And it was just. I had a hard time at first writing with them, just going in there because for me it's like I got to have some quiet." You know to think the lyric side of it and the idea side of it. And,
1: well, know. and it's hard to kind of look at that as songwriting sometimes. Yeah, you know um, when they're not when they're not putting melody in the loops and things. You know, I yeah. I understand some loops are very creative and very 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 you know signature for a song, yeah. but some of them are just loops. You know that you're like, man, come on.
0: Well, we've we've allowed to give songwriter credit to a lot of different people now yeah and the last time i heard last time i checked that the melody and the lyric are the only copyrightable part of a song and if if they're, yeah. not, if they're not coming in with a melody idea or anything like that, why are you a writer on this song? Yeah. I never understood that. Yeah. yeah and that yeah. was the biggest part that I struggled with right there. I'm like, why are we giving these percentages away to these people
1: who aren't doing anything lyrically or mel- melodically yeah. at all? Because what's the difference between that and just going in and doing a session with a bunch of lyrics? and, and just having the band start to play and you just start singing to them these it.
0: these these tracks sound so good that they're doing these yeah. days that everybody's gravitating to them so they now have, have you
2: come out on the other side of that yeah. or are you
0: still no i'm am fine with it but the the track guys that I write with n- to me are writers.
2: They're contributing to yeah, the melody. They're con- yeah.
0: Absolutely. They're good they're good musicians on top of being track
1: guys. Yeah. And they that's different stuff. That's yeah, different And That's yeah. different because there is a generation of yeah. guys that think they find I mean, some cool outboard gear and they think they're a songwriter. I mean if you know, if Joe Walsh
0: is gonna play on Life in the Fast Lane, yeah. that's not the melody of the song. That's not the lyric of the song. By God, that's a he's part of that song. He is a third Mm -hmm. of that song. Yeah, that's a hook. And I get that stuff. I totally get that. Yeah. The hook part of the song. I totally get that. They absolutely are a writer on that song, you know. And so there's a fine line to me when it comes to who should be a songwriter on a song and who shouldn't and
1: Well, let's go back uh, let's go back a few years. When you when you were an artist on Asylum, right? Yeah. Um You were kind of—I mean, it it was an older guy's world. It was, you know, Brooks and Dunn, Alan Jackson, all these guys were—they were men. They weren't boys, you know. But now our industry has a whole bunch of boys, yeah, boys and young girls. You know, do you do you find that harder to write for since they're since since maybe I can't write for that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, because it's it's maybe hard because they're not experiencing. What you're going through, writing-wise. I mean, you know, uh, there goes my life. You know, is that something that you would see a young kid sing today? I mean, uh-uh. it. it, it hey, so no, a- you
0: couldn't. I couldn't get that song cut today if my life depended on it. It's just some song. There that was a time when there's time for everything, and that that was then. You couldn't get there's songs back then that were huge copyrights that you couldn't get couldn't get arrested with today. Yeah and that's and just the just, age of the industry that's right it's, it's it you know it just goes in cycles and uh, it's starting to feel like it's starting to come back around a, a little bit to me i've I've been seeing where where younger artists are starting to look for songs people are some some folks are giving them good advice about going and looking you know don't try to write everything for your project go out and leave it open
1: yeah you know go find there's so many great songs out there that are just unheard. But that was kind of something that kind of generated in the early 2000s, is where they yeah. would, where these artists that weren't really songwriters would just be thrown in rooms with writers. And yeah, then it started, es, then it started ed, escalating to, oh, this is a business. Yeah. And these yeah. guys really aren't writing, and you're, and you're having to lose a third of the song to kind of be a part of that project. That's right. That's you know, right. um, That's Mm -hmm. the part I can't. I think I think this year is 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 where we are at the peak of that. You know where now everything's part of these teams and everything's part of these deals. Where that might not be the best thing for our format. No,
0: is this a show that I can be honest about? Yes, I can. I can say what I want to say. I can't cuss.
1: No, why the hell not? (laughs)
0: Look. Uh, Speaking of the of that where it's gone and where it is right now uh, it's I've really struggled with it being it where I am in my career right now um, I've learned to accept a lot more I fought it at first but I've learned to accept a lot more I can be I can be It's there's a lot of freedom in being picky about who you write with and who you want to write with and who I write best with but I'm more open now I say yes a lot more yeah I'll try it out i yeah. with them, see what happens. You never know. Heck, you're never going to know unless you show up. Yeah. So.
1: Well, and I find myself as a guy who's a song finder, you know, um, I'm not getting to find, you know, I, I don't get to find the types of songs that I used to find. You know, now there's a lot of mid-tempos. You know, there's not a lot of ups and downs anymore in, in melody and track and stuff. It's hard to find those these days when when things are written to a grid. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I find that being a problem on my world. You know, when we're lo- like this last record we cut on Jason, the Review Town album, you know, I think everything just fell into into a nice place where we were finally finding those songs. You know, uh, one of my my one of my favorite songs other than tattoos is Review Town, period. Hands down, one of my favorite songs I've ever cut. And you know, and I hope that sees the light of day during this process of the album. I
0: hope so too. It's it's a we. I was reluctant to even. Uh, we were reluctant to even write it because it's another town song. <laughs> it was like, how many town songs can we write? And it, oddly enough, we we keep on writing town songs because the ideas are there. And, it, and we're going to write town songs till we run out of titles for town songs.
1: Yeah, until you run out of town. <laughs> you know what I'm
0: saying? Well, yeah. everyone we've has one, we had This one, Nothing yeah. Town, we've had Tattoos on This Town,
1: and now Rearview Town. There's probably another one in there somewhere that I'm not thinking about. Uh, this Nothing Town was something that was resonating huge just off the album it kept getting played as a, as a top 50 you know yes. just flying off the record okay. and um, I mean but but I think those resonate man with, with the true country music I do fan, too you know
0: and, I, and if I say so myself we wrote we wrote the dog out of Review town <gasps> it just fell out it was awesome the way it turned out yeah I agree I agree
2: hey guys it's Shalacey check us out on the web at knoxcountry360.com or on Facebook Instagram and Twitter at knoxcountry360
1: But let's go back to, to kind of, you know, when you and Wendell were writing a lot, y'all have other people that you throw in the room with y'all. I mean, you have other regular guys that you write with. Who, who, I write who? with Wendell Mobley.
0: I write with Michael Delaney. I write with Tony Martins. I write with Kelly Lovelace. I write with Lee Miller.
1: But those guys have been guys you've been writing with forever, you yeah. know, for a long time. And, mm-hmm. and, um, yep. But I think that's strong, man, to be able to find a niche of what you do and not get away from it you know it's cool to dab in some other things to get those off your plate you know something we talked about earlier was um how diverse our our, our how country music is so diverse right yep. now you know and um do you find yourself chasing that or do you find yourself writing and and now what you write now the melody and storylines and the lyrics you write are now more left of center than mainstream and those are the cool ones that stand out now. You right. know, what you're kinda writing. We're just
0: writing what we love now.
1: Isn't it weird that the whole now traditional country is alternative? I know. You know, or 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 your way of writing, which was the norm in the nineties, is now alternative kind of country. I know. It really is. It's the ones that stand out on the record, you know. You I know. well
0: it's <clears throat> once again it's like Started off writing what we love, then we started following a tr- trying to follow a trend and hated that. And now we're getting back to writing what we love again and it's starting to sh- it's starting to pay off again. Yeah. Like, okay, we got diverted there for a little
1: while. But everything has to go the ups and downs it to, does. to find it that. It
0: does, big time. And I'm I'm hearing a lot of traditional stuff now. A lot of people are looking for some just country stuff. I'm hearing a lot of steel guitar stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. booking steel guitar players on demo sessions again. <laughs> yeah, we weren't doing that at yeah. all I and mean, that's that's what I love about it and um but just getting back to writing what I love it's I'm so much more relaxed I love I want to go back and listen to what we've been writing there for a while I didn't I, I haven't listened to anything you know there for a while I had a period there where I don't care about listening to any of that stuff I wrote because yeah. I don't like it
1: we got um How Country Feels you know ASCAP Song of the Year yep and um that was you and Wendell and... Vicky McGeehy. Vicki McGeehy. Yes, sir. That's right. Now, now that song, you know, awesome melody, dude. A L- lot of aggression in that, man. Uh, I still hear that today. That, st-
0: that song started off with a guitar lick.
1: That all
0: started with a lick. Yeah. Well, that's all it was it's just the rock thing it's that rock thing coming out man it's yeah like, but
1: yeah but that hook is that hook's addicting yeah how country i mean that, that hook's addicting you know and then randy hauser no offense man that guy's a singing fool he is he's a country singing son of did you ever get to Gun. meet him before then or i mean because i think he sang it that night with y'all didn't he yeah he did we got up there together and sang it Me, yeah. him and wendell you know? That's a ASCAP song of the year, man. That, that's huge. And that was funny. They
0: pulled Y'all pulled a fasten on me, y'all and my wife. I had no idea. <laughs> I remember getting to the ASCAP awards and going, what are we doing up front? We're, only uh-huh. getting like, we're getting like one award. What are we doing up here on the front row? And there I'm was like, George next table. And I table. never thought any, another thing about it. And, until it. and I was like talking to somebody when they announced it. It was like so rude on my part. But <laughs> they were up there talking. I'm like, I'm ready to go. You know, like, let's go. I'm ready to hit that. You always ready we to go. It, it's yeah. getting late, you know. Heck, I'm old. I'm ready. ready well, is to go there old. is
1: there a big story behind writing that one or anything, or is that no? That we that just one, got, got feels very very like natural
0: for you. Oh, it, that sucker just flew. Just came out.
1: But you know what, man? I you know talking with a lot of writers and stuff. Most of their biggest hits are things that they, you know, you wish there was a cool story. And there's not. I know. And it's there's just. There's no cool story.
0: What about
2: Night Dirt Train? Night Train doesn't have
0: a cool
1: story. Night
2: Train is probably my favorite Audi It song. doesn't have a
1: cool
0: story. That was Michael Delaney's it's one of my title. Favorites. It was his title. And it's like, let's get this wrote, man. So we wrote it that day. And it was like, I see it. It was one of them quick deals, you know. And I didn't think a thing about it. Yeah. And we demoed it. And I'm like, y'all turned it into a freaking huge hit.
1: Yeah, but, but I, I mean, didn't see that coming. But, but that little guitar thing in there is as addicting as anything. Ow, ow, Yeah. You know, that little thing in there, we made sure we tripled it with a guitar. Long, long, long. Yeah. We, we. But I mean, yeah, yeah, it's funny, man. Everybody we've kind of rapped with, man, their their biggest hits or their biggest things were things that just kind of happened, you know, yeah. with no thought. No it was thought. just kind of like, man, it just kind of went down that day. Fast that, Cars and
0: Freedom was written without a title. We wrote the whole song, they didn't even have a title.
1: We're like, oh, well, look,
0: Gary, decide what they want to call it. Because it, you know, the, the hook lays in the middle of the course, you know. Well, yeah. and that's
2: a goat, that's almost a staple for him when he, every Aldine album. It's like, man, I need a Fast Cars and Freedom. I need a Fast Cars and Freedom.
0: Yeah, I wish I could write another one. <laughs> well, if it was that damn easy. I know, right? We'd write them every day if we knew what the formula was. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there goes my phone.
2: Oh. <laughs> what is that?
0: That's your ringtone? Yeah. Listen. Oh, you got him. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. uh, how many number ones you've had like 20
0: and no I've had I've had so many people think I've had more number ones than I've had because I've had so many number twos yeah well that's what, well, well that's when I was <laughs> leading, well
1: that's what I was leading up to but you you've had like 20 songs that pay like a number one right you know and and that's my whole point is that it's such a longevity catalog I mean it's such a go-to catalog. Yeah. as a songwriter there's a yeah. lot of
0: songs in there
1: well it's a lot of it's a lot of songs that resonated you know which is different I mean there's a lot of writers that get a lot of cuts and then there's a lot of writers that I hear your songs ten years later yeah and you know so man I'm very I'm very happy to have you part of this show and I appreciate you being here I appreciate you asking this was fun I appreciate it
0: Knox Country Knox Country
1: Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Knox Country Podcast. Special thanks go out to co-host Miss Jalacey Griffin and producer Donnie Walker. See you next time. You've entered Knox Country Outtakes.
2: You were inducted into the Alabama Music Hall of Fame.
0: Well, I was. <laughs> Hang on. Hey, I want you to... Have you ever tried getting down here? Have you ever ever done that? Work on it. Sean
1: Parr. You remember? The karate guy? No, Danny Lee. Oh, mercy. The artist. Oh. The female girl. Oh, yeah. All right. Got it. (laughs) The karate guy. Which karate? It's guy? About, like, the Bruce's karate little, kid? That's
0: Bruce's little cousin, right? Theater, Bruce Lee's <laughs> little cousin, Lee. <gangly. laughs> and I just gather the kids and I gather everybody. Like, let's go, let's go. We're out of here. We're out of here. Because I thought the dude was dead. I'm serious. I didn't want. I didn't want my kids to see this. This was bad. I mean, it was a bad deal. Well, we get to our car and we're leaving, and I see them wheeling the, the guy out on a gurney, and he's got his hands up and he's making that <laughs> rock on sign with his left arm, and he's covered in blood. <laughs> And he's he's like, Yeah yeah <laughs> Wow <laughs> And I say, like, see kids, that's what drinking does for you. Knox Country
1: Podcast Edition